Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is A Million Other Choices, and I am your host. Today is going to annoy you. It certainly annoyed me, especially listening to the trial testimony. And today is the January installment of Intimate Partner Homicides of 2018, and one that has left me feeling very bitter. This is the murder of Holly Marie Hamilton. The province of Ontario had a particularly troubling and worrisome 2018 when it comes to gender-based violence, and today's tragedy takes us to Hamilton, Ontario, which is just a coincidence that Holly's last name is also Hamilton. It isn't a misspeak, it's just a coincidence. Hamilton is a city of about 600,000 people with heavy emphasis on iron and steel industries. It lies on the bank of Lake Ontario and hosted the 2023 Grey Cup, which Montreal squeaked out a win this year to Winnipeg, which I only know because I happened to see the last five minutes of the game, but only because there were snacks. And for those of you non-Canadians, the Grey Cup, which is spelled the Canadian spelling of Grey, G-R-E-Y, is much like the Super Bowl, only where Beyonce doesn't usually show up, so on a smaller scale, but it's still a big deal to a lot of us. Well, not usually me, but people who watch sports and tend to get excited about that kind of thing. None of this has anything to do with today's story, but I'm kind of stalling because today's story is ugly and I don't like it. But let's get to it. Holly Marie was born March 18th, 1988, to her loving mother, Angela, and dad, Caswell. And she was born into a very large brood of siblings, but I'm not sure where in the family pack her birth station actually fell. She had, I believe, three sisters, Paulette, Serena, and Stacy, and five brothers, Cass, Dylan, Devon, Bezrick, and Melroy. And I only have the first names to go by and not really a lot of pictures, so I really hope that I have everybody's identifying genders right there. And Holly was kind of nicknamed by the family as Holly Dolly, which I find cute, but also shows that her parents and her siblings thought of a lot of Holly and the woman that she had grown into. Cass Hamilton, who's Holly's older brother, he is actually a Canadian hip-hop artist that goes by CVSS, and he was interviewed by CHCH News and told them that Holly was always a very quiet, timid, and well-behaved young woman, and home video and pictures would prove that to be true. She really was a light in a dark room and lovely and just a very good and kind-hearted person who loved her family very much. Tale is old as time, generous in spirit and compassionate, the perfect victim for an abuser. In her early 20s, she met a man named Justin Dumfries, and at first, everyone in the family was fine with him as her boyfriend. He seemed like your regular guy. Not too old for her, not too young. But when Holly became pregnant by Justin when she was about 24, 25 years old, that's when things in the family's opinion about Justin started to change. There were hints that Holly was being abused, but like many women, she didn't really open up a lot to her family or friends about it. And when her daughter Tamia was born, Holly's light as a mother really started to shine, and Tamia became the sole focus of Holly's heart. 
Justin was a metal worker, but his job history is a bit spotty. By January 2018, when Holly was 29 and little Tamia was four, the romantic relationship was definitely over for Holly, and she had a townhouse that she was renting, and Justin was renting a basement apartment at 1510 Barton Street near Fairfield Avenue. But seeing as they had Tamia together, there was still some contact there. Holly by this time was fearful of Justin because he was very possessive and angry, but she found herself in a bit of a pickle. She was afraid that Justin would turn his anger towards Tamia, so she didn't want him to ever be alone with him, which forced her to make the choice to be with Tamia when she visited Justin. Thereby, she had to be around Justin as well. Holly had pressed charges before for domestic battery, and there was paperwork on file, and Justin had faced charges for battery, but I don't know the sentences or the full history of how many times. I know that there were definitely two incidences for sure. One when she was three months pregnant and another took place in front of Tamia in 2016, in which he was sentenced to 90 days in jail for that incident. So she likely took advantage of the short prison sentence um, for him to get her life restarted away from him, but was unfortunately tied to him forever by the DNA in Tamia's veins. And Holly felt that it was important for Tamia to have a relationship with her dad, even if she couldn't get along with him. I also know that there was a restraining order in place that expired in December of 2017. So she at times found herself in Justin's messy apartment and listening to his rants and rages about this and that and all the other things that he felt she was responsible for. And I'm sure she was getting a little bit sick of it. Holly worked for a cleaning company and her job provided her with a work vehicle, a white Ford Focus. In December 2017, Holly had come home to discover that her townhouse had been broken into and literally trashed. She sent pictures to her sister Stacy, who had moved in with Holly about a month earlier. The consensus was that it had been Justin in a jealous rage or angry about something. Now I have seen pictures and this place like you could tell that she had kept a very nice and neat apartment and, and everything was quite stylish in that, but there is smashed glass and drawers open and stuff shattered everywhere. After that, she had made a comment to her mom about wanting to take Tamiya and get, to get away to Ottawa just to escape him and his constant phone calls and texts to her. Stacy later testified that Justin was manipulative, possessive, crazy, and hard to reason with. So yeah, it's hard to get some distance from someone that's intent on being in contact with you, and especially when you share a child together. On Saturday, January 13th, 2018, Holly texted her mom that Justin wouldn't stop calling her. The next morning, Holly woke Stacy to show her a text from Justin that he was sick and wanted to see Tamia. She did not want to go, but later told Stacy that she was going to go see a friend taking Tamia with her and would be back around 8.30 that night. So she had obviously given in to Justin's constant texts and calls and relented to go and see him. But she had given the name of a different friend that she was seeing to Stacy. So when Holly and Tamia never arrived home that night, Stacy started calling around and her first call was to this friend that she had named who told Stacy that Holly had never came by to see her at all on that Sunday. So Stacy in a panic called her parents and her work and discovered that she had been a no-show at her job and Tamia had not come to preschool that morning. Holly had sent a text to her childhood friend Samantha Cartel around 6.45 p.m. that night just asking how things were going with her and Samantha had replied to her message but hadn't heard anything further from her. 
Holly's family immediately reported both Holly and Tamia missing to the police and started a campaign of flyers in the area and going on the news to try to locate her because she was definitely not the type to just get up and leave with a four-year-old, especially seeing the amount of family support that she had raising Tamia. The police took Holly's disappearance very seriously from the very beginning, and because of the domestic violence Holly had suffered in the past from Justin, he was suspected from day one. So police constable Ben Kingdom was sent to talk to Justin to see what was up. He was enough of a suspect that when Ben went to Justin's apartment and didn't get an answer, he climbed into his open window to search the place. And this never comes back to bite him in the butt. So I guess that that was legal. And if memory serves me, if the police have reason to believe that someone is in a house or an apartment injured or in danger, they can enter without permission. And right away, Ben gets that hinky feeling that things are really not good. The apartment is a mess, but not ransacked mess, just single man mess. And the light was left on in the bathroom. So he goes in there half expecting to see a crime scene and other not good things, but there's nothing just a spotless bathroom, which is in contrast to the rather messy apartment. He also notices and retrieves from the trash bin a receipt from the fresco for some cleaning supplies, including bleach and garbage bags. So that's not good. Surveillance tapes of Justin's movements show him and Tamia entering the Walmart in the center mall on the morning of January 15th. In the video, Tamia is wearing a black winter jacket, but she picks out a toy and to buy and then Justin buys her a new purple winter jacket despite the black one looking like it was in good condition and fit properly. It would later be learned that Tamia was supposed to be in preschool that morning but had never showed and obviously that was because she was with Justin. They then leave Walmart and go into the fresco just down the street which is where he was seen buying the pine saw, bleach and garbage bags as well as some cookies and apple juice all of which is found later in his apartment. Then things get weird. That evening around 5 p.m., the whole family had gathered at Angela and Caswell's place, and Stacy was on the phone to an officer about her disappearance. When the doorbell rang and when Angela opened the door, there standing on the stoop was little Tamia wearing a purple winter coat and Justin walking towards a car. So Stacy hollered at him, where's Holly? But he just said, I don't know, and kept walking. Stacy was still on her cell phone at the time with the officer. She ran out of the house and down the front steps to chase after him, reading what she could of the license plate number as he drove off. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Alarming was the fact that Tamia said that her mummy was sleeping in the shower and she couldn't wake her up. In fact, what she told officers that questioned her was, she and mummy left to go see daddy at his house. 
Mummy and Daddy were smoking in the bathroom. She saw Mummy sleeping in the tub, but the water wasn't on. She told Mummy, I love you, but Mummy didn't answer because she didn't hear. She was sleeping. The next day, so the Tuesday, Justin is recognized from the TV as a suspect in Holly's disappearance by a volunteer at a homeless shelter in Scarborough who had checked in as Anthony Walker. So police swoop in and take him in for questioning. Now, I'm not sure that he was charged and arrested, though. He was just taken in. On the Wednesday, Constable Tara Avila was looking for Holly's missing vehicle and decided to try and look in parking garages where cars are known to be dumped like stolen vehicles mostly. And in the underground garage at 95 Bark Lake Avenue, which is coincidentally just off of Barton Street, she spotted it parked ass in with the trunk slightly ajar against the cement wall. Feeling a lot of trepidation, she approached it. She couldn't get to the trunk because it was backed right up to the wall, so she used a flashlight to look inside and noticed that the back seats were down and through a gap in the seat, she could just get enough of a glimpse into the trunk to see a pair of jeans. Distressed, she called for backup and when they pried the trunk open, there was the body of 29-year-old Holly curled on her side, her shirt and bra pushed up to her face, her Puma sneakers discarded near her feet, covered head to toe in blood and frozen solid. The entire car was towed to the coroner's office to allow her body to thaw and to preserve any evidence. Back at Justin's apartment, a more thorough search was done, including the dumpsters behind his apartment building, and inside they found some black garbage bags and inside those were some more cleaning products, gloves, some bits of uh, the floor trim, and receipts for a new bath mat, towels, and a shower curtain, as well as Tamiya's black winter coat and the keys to Holly's car. A search of the basement apartment for blood found spatters under the radiator, in the kitchen, on the bathroom door, on the toilet, and in the shower, and on a bottle of body wash. And the autopsy revealed that she had been beaten and stabbed 17 times, the fatal wound being to her neck. So naturally, Justin pleaded not guilty to second-degree murder, and the trial got underway in January of 2020. Only on day one, the judge, for undisclosed reasons, declared a mistrial, leaving Holly's family shocked and in tears. Finally, in December 2021, his second trial actually started. And the trial is where things get super annoying. I get that defendants, by the very name of defendant, you get to put on a defense, and that even when the evidence against you is strong, you still have a right to a fair trial and your day in court to say your piece. But Justin's defense just makes me want to vomit. You see, Justin told the jury that he beat and stabbed her 17 times in self-defense. According to him, Holly arrived at his apartment and dropped off to Mia and left and then came back a bit later, this time with a strange guy that Justin didn't know. Of course he did. Just some random guy off the street, probably just to make him jealous. And Justin, of course, very politely asked this strange man to leave. Only he didn't leave and immediately pulled out a knife. And not only pulled out the knife, but then started swinging it wildly at him, cutting him several times. And while Justin is trying to grab the man's wrist, Holly, of course, she's grabbing at Justin's shirt, telling him to stop. And this got Justin very mad. I mean, she's not letting me defend myself. So he started punching and kicking Holly, you know, in self-defense, because she grabbed his shirt while he was being actively swung at by this strange guy that he's never seen before. And obviously, Holly is just letting this guy get his swings in. 
So finally, because Justin is a ninja, he managed to bite the man's hand and grab the knife and then stabs the guy with it. So this guy now disabled and crumpled on the ground, he figures, phew, okay, thwarted death. But then Holly jumped on his back and is trying to put him in a headlock. Remember, all of this is going on in front of Tamiya, apparently. And so he starts making little stabs with a knife at Holly, you know, just to the lower body and just to get her off of him. Only she's like Wonder Woman or something, and her grip is just tightening. So now, according to Justin, he's in a headlock and can't breathe. The guy on the floor is like Michael Myers in a horror movie and is rising from the floor. And poor Justin is sure that he's going to pass out because of Holly's headlock and then be murdered. He decides to start double downing on the stabbing of Holly and just go all in. And the guy on the floor just up and leaves. And Holly is now laying on the floor bleeding out. So Justin, the savior, grabs a towel and tries to stop the bleeding. But in his words, I realize she's gone. I realize I can't do nothing at this point. So that sucks for him. So he decides to put her in the trunk of her car, telling a jury of his peers, I sit her on the bumper and slowly place her in there, push her back and shut the trunk. And then got some cleaning stuff, cleaned the apartment and drove her car to the parking lot. And again, all of this as well to Mia was still in his care and likely confused and terrified. And when asked why he never called the police, it was clearly self-defense. He said, I couldn't find my phone. I have a feeling his defense attorneys were just giving his story up and letting him testify on his own behalf as a bit of a last ditch Hail Mary and didn't really buy it because Justin was their only witness that they called. In closing arguments, Amber Lepchuk for the Crown reminded the jury that there was no way Justin could have inflicted the wounds Holly had with her on his back. She claimed the fatal argument took place in the bathroom and that is why the sounds were muffled for Tamiya and she only saw her in the tub afterwards. Quote, this is essentially a near-death experience for him where he was attacked by a stranger in his home with a knife and he killed the mother of his child while that child was sleeping in the same room and his response is to hide Holly's body in the trunk of her car so the daughter wouldn't see her. Is that believable to you? He did not know where this unknown man had gone to, if he was going to return, how dangerous he was. He doesn't take his daughter somewhere safe. He leaves her alone in that apartment. She also told them that of the dozen or so criminal convictions Justin had on his record were for crimes for dishonesty, so maybe don't take his word for things. And they didn't, and convicted him on December 20th, 2021, to which Angela, through happy and sad tears, said, best Christmas present I ever got. She told reporters Holly was a person in the future that wanted to do social services and help others dealing with domestic violence. I will now take her place. And Cass Hamilton, her brother, said, rest in peace, Holly, it's finally over. Domestic violence is way too overlooked. Anywhere I can help raise awareness, I will. Now, his sentencing hearing took place in March 2022. And listen, over the last couple of years, I have read a large number of victim impact statements and blubbered my way through my own. They are always heart-wrenching. But in this case, ugh. The prosecutor, Amber Lepchuk, tried to read a now eight-year-old Tamiya's statement to the court that was directed at her father, but couldn't, so Sergeant Andrew Colgan had to read it, saying, Why did you take my mummy away from me? I'm very sad and angry, and I miss my mummy. I hope you never get out of jail. I don't want to see you ever again. Her dad, and murderer of her mother, just sat and listened with his arms crossed defiantly. 
The Crown, of course, asked for the maximum sentence, but the defense argued that the fact that he had not asked Tamia to testify in court should count for something, and that hiding and getting rid of Holly's body was done to protect her from witnessing what had happened. Quote, one could only imagine the further trauma she would experience had he not done that. Had he seen her mother and seen the blood, to which the judge, Justice Paul Sweeney, interrupted him and said, she did see her mother. Well, yeah, but she saw part of her mother. She didn't see what the jury saw of her mother. That's a quote, just FYI there. And when asked if he had anything to say for himself, Justin said, my lawyer said everything that needed to be said. Oh, I think he said more than what needed to be said. And he was sentenced in early April 2022 to a life sentence with no parole for 18 years. So 2036, he will be eligible. Justice Sweeney found that there was not one mitigating factor, they were all aggravating, including his history of abuse towards Holly, particularly aggravating both in the legal sense and to my sensibilities, was his defense painting her as the aggressor. Police Staff Sergeant Dave Olenak told reporters outside the courtroom, he's at the bottom of a pit. Him being eligible for parole in the future is completely based on any kind of work or change of behavior, rehabilitation that he's able to demonstrate over the next 14 years. And that is only to be eligible. It is good to see that the system can work and convict somebody who we believe to be truly guilty of a horrible, horrible act. Angela Hamilton said, I'm happy with the results, even though it will not bring my daughter back. Domestic violence needs to stop. We need to have some kind of registry. And I would agree with that, Angela. And that was the murder of Holly Marie Hamilton, which is my January's poster woman for intimate partner homicides in 2018. I will be back again next week with another case. As always, thank you so much for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.